Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Um, I don't know about your Thanksgiving traditions. I hope you had a, I hope you had a wonderful day. Um, at our house, uh, it's, it's cut and dried, has been, doesn't matter what configuration of people are there. Uh, it's been the same since Lynn and I have been married. And since we have been doing uh, Thanksgiving at our house and having uh, back in the day whenever our moms would come over and they would cook and they would bring stuff, always the same thing. You cook and you, you have the um, Macy's parade on while you're cooking. And then the dog show comes on, and you have to watch the dog show. And then later after you eat lunch, uh, in a tryptophan haze, you fall asleep watching the Detroit Lions lose to somebody. It, it just, it, you know, they just always do, but at least we know what's going to happen. But the dog show gets me, uh, for the last few years, uh, every time they have the sporting, uh, the sporting breed dogs and they show the Labrador. There's always this beautiful Labrador. And we had, we had this wonderful Labrador. She, she would have never been in the dog show. She was a pound puppy. We got her at, uh, at, uh, at, the, at the pound, you know. Uh, she was a rescue dog. Uh, but she, well, she, actually, she was a puppy. She was a rescue puppy. She, we used to kid because she had these asymmetrical jowls. You know, for these dogs in the dog show, it's all about symmetry and everything being perfectly lined up. And with April, one jowl was up here and one hang, hung down here. And this ear went this way and that ear went that way. And her tail had a big bend in the middle of it. And she was mostly Labrador and something else, uh, would have never been in a dog show, but we loved her so, so very much. And every time I see the labs, I think about her and I remember whenever she was rescued. It's, I don't know, it's been 10 or 12 years ago now. It was about three years before she died. She was about 10 years old. And uh, Lynn was home with her on a July 4th. And April was really good about, she would let herself out. She would go down the steps of the deck and she would go do her thing and then she would come right back. And on this particular night, no one in the neighborhood was shooting fireworks. And so Lynn just let her out like always. But apparently while she was out, someone, she heard some fireworks from somewhere and she bolted. And Lynn looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and looked. And we heard that she was hit on a street not far from ours and somebody picked her up and took her, they thought, to the UT vet hospital. We called down there. They didn't have her. And we spent the next week looking for April. We had no idea where she was. Somebody else said they thought that they had seen a dog put out on the side of the road off Emory Road. We went over there. We couldn't find her. We looked and looked. And, and Lynn, it wasn't her fault, but Lynn felt very guilty about it. And she was just beside herself. And it had been, this was in the course in July 4th, it was really hot. And it had been now five days. And I thought, you know, Lynn, we've got to just, we've got to let her go. Wherever she is, she's gone now. There's no way she survived. Uh, she was hit by a car, uh, and there's, there's just no way. She was a great dog. It's, she, she deserved better, but it happened, and it's okay. 
And Lynn tried to let it go, and she couldn't let it go. And that, on the fifth day, we were at Starbucks in Turkey Creek, and Lynn was just staring out, and I knew what she was thinking. And she put her coffee cup down, and she said, and she had been to Doc, Doc Butler's, you know, if, if you know anything about Carnes, Butler Animal Clinic has been there forever and a day. And we had gone there, we had checked all the animal clinics, and no dog had been taken in. So she said, I, I know she is alive. I know she's alive, and I'm, gonna go by, I'm just going to go by Doc Butler's right now. I had to get back to the church, and I said, okay, but don't set yourself up to get disappointed again. So she went over to Doc Butler's and said, is there any way that anybody's brought a black dog in? Um, and, and they said, well, as a matter of fact, somebody brought in a uh, part lab uh, just actually late last night. Uh, didn't have a tag on. She had a collar and a tag. She didn't have one on at this point. So Lynn said, I need to see her. So Lynn is, they go back to the kennel where the dogs are, and Lynn is talking. And as she was talking, April heard her. And all of a sudden, this, this tail that had the big crook in it, it starts thumping the side of the kennel. The same tail that used to play t-ball with all the ornaments on the Christmas tree. She could send them all the way across the room. She'd thump, 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 and Lynn called her name April, and she started thumping even harder. She had a, she'd broken her pelvis, and she couldn't walk. But Doc Butler said, we, or the, the people, he wasn't there anymore, but the, the vet said, we, we knew she was somebody's dog because she wouldn't use the bathroom until we took her outside. We had to pick her up and take her out layer in the grass. Then she would go to the bathroom. She wouldn't go inside. So we knew she was somebody's. And so it was April. And, and it was just wonderful reunion. And we got her back home and she got better, better. And she was never quite the same, but she had three more, more good years. And and the reason we had this wonderful experience with April and had her for three more years is because Lynn would not give up. Lynn would not let it go. I thought it was going to drive her crazy, but she just said, there's something inside of me that says she's alive and I have to find her. And, and it was because she just loved that dog. She had trained her to do all these tricks and they were buddies. She just loved that dog. And it was, it was love, really. It was that love that just drove Lynn to keep looking and keep trying until she finally found her and saved her. Love, really, is what, is what found April. And love is what found you and me. As we kick off this sermon series, Why Jesus? It's, it's this story of the God who never gives up. God never, ever gives up. Say that with me. God never gives up. We need to remember that because there are so many times in our lives when we're tempted to or people around us are tempted to, and, and we just need to remember that no matter what the situation is, God never gives up. No matter what life gives us, God never gives up, ever, ever. So much so that God determined that he was going to leave the splendor of heaven and come down and live to, to become one of the created, to come as the, as the video so poignantly said, to, to come as a baby, born of a virgin, uh, a couple that, I don't know, Joseph, there's no reason to believe Joseph was, was poor, but, but certainly they were a young couple just getting started. They didn't have a lot. But, but that's how God chose to come and save his people. And he has showed us over and over 
and over that he will never give up. His plan of salvation began right after, in the garden, right after the bite heard round the world, if you know what I'm saying. And right after that, then this plan of salvation went into effect, and it went through all these different iterations with all these prophets and all of these this strange cast of characters, which speaks volumes about God's leadership style, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, uh, because of the people he chose to lead us down on this earth as he kept trying to steer us back toward him, and nothing seemed to work. The law wouldn't work. But finally, finally, God launched the final plan, and Isaiah has this beautiful report of the, the last iteration of the plan that is still going on today. And this is from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. You know, it wouldn't be Christmas if we didn't hear this verse. So we're, uh, these two verses, three verses. So we're going to hear them this morning. This is two verses from Isaiah chapter 9, 6 and 7. This is Isaiah prophesying to the people of Israel. You have to understand that in the Old Testament, in Isaiah's time, he didn't know who Jesus was. He knew that God was, had promised a Savior and that someone was going to come and save the people. And there were ones who came and helped the Israelite people in their epoch of time. But all along, we now understand as Christians as we look back what the ultimate prophecy, what the prophecy was ultimately about, and that was the Messiah who would come and ultimately save all people. And so Isaiah said this to them, and he says it to us again this Christmas by the Holy Spirit. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. You highlight that. And his kingdom, oh, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And I love this last line that sometimes just goes by, but it's, it's so wonderful. The zeal of the Lord Almighty would accomplish this. And you know, you think about zeal, and zeal is this great enthusiasm. But you know what God is so enthusiastic about? And I think about two young lovers that, are, that just can't look away from each other. <clears throat> they love to go for walks, and they love to stop and hug each other and maybe have a kiss. This, this love, this zeal, this enthusiasm, this passion, that's all a part of this word. It's God's love and passion and zeal for you and me and all who would, who would turn toward him and away from the rebellion that started in the garden. That, that is what, that's how he was going to do it. He was going to do it with love. This passionate, jealous, zealous, enthusiastic love that will not let us go no matter what. And it doesn't matter what we do or what we say or where we go or who we offend. He doesn't want us to do those things. But none of that matters because he loves us so much, and he will save us. And this thing about David's throne, David, really? Okay, you mean which David? Okay, which David? Which David? The, the, the run of the litter, the youngest of the boys that 
that Samuel passed over over and over and over again because God kept saying, no, not him. He looks like a linebacker, but not him. No, not that one. He's, he's good looking and all, but not that one. Keep going. Hey, Jesse, that was their dad. Hey, Jesse, got any more boys? Oh, he got that one. He got David, but he's kind of flaky. He plays his loot all the time, and he's out there hanging out with the sheep, and he's little, and yeah, you know, no, bring him in. And he's the one that God chose. That David, the one who would, the same one who had the courage and faith in God to kill Goliath with a sling, but would take advantage of a young woman and use his power as king to overtake her and get her pregnant and then kill her husband to hide the crime, to hide what he had done. I mean, which David are we talking about here? But that's the one because God never gives up and God looks inside our heart and he says, you know what? David has got something that I can use and God is never as interested in what we can't do as what we can do. And so, so David is, is, is such a great example of how the least become, you know, Jesus would later on, who was of course from the line of David, as Isaiah pointed out, uh, Jesus would say later that the last will be first and the first will be last. And that relates all the way back to his great, 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 great earthly grandfather, whatever the relationship would have been, who was David. It's all there. But God, in his, in his wisdom, he leads that way. He, le he leads with people who are relatable. He leads with people who look like the last one that you would think could do the job, but he does that so that his glory can be seen and no one can question what's going on. I mean, he picks a couple, you know, the man's in his 80s, the woman's in her 70s, never been able to bear a child, and so that's who he picks to start a new nation of people in Abraham and Sarah. And he takes Moses, who's a murderer, on the run. Uh, he, he picks him to lead his people out of Egypt and so on and so forth. He loves to take the one who seems least likely and use them because that way he will be seen as they lead on his behalf on the earth. And then, and then there's one at this time of the year we have to lift up, and that's Mary. Mary, perhaps, is the greatest example of all of God's leadership style of finding people who, uh, who actually at face value would have no credibility, no potential, the one that nobody's going to follow because you know, let's face it, Mary as a little Jewish, and I say little Jewish girl because she was probably 13 or 14 years old, maybe, if we, if we follow the, the line of custom in those days. And, and as a woman in that era, and we can, we can hate it and we can cluck our tongues and go, it shouldn't have been that way, and, 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 and that's true, but it's the way it was. She had nothing. She had no rights. She had no privilege. She had no potential for anything other than hopefully her father would marry her to somebody who would be nice to her and take care of her. That was, that was a young Jewish girl's best hope in those days. And yet God chooses her to, to, to be the host, if you will, for his own life among us. It's, re it's just remarkable. And so since we're the first Sunday in Advent, we're, we're getting started on this beautiful story of the birth of Jesus and what he means. Uh, let's, let's, let's read that. Let's read from Luke 1, verses 26 through 33, and, and let's hear what God has to say through the angel Gabriel about this Jesus. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? Well, listen to this. 
In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Whoa, 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 I'm highly favored. Why are you in my room? But the angel said to her, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you couldn't have blamed her for going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. God favors me, and I'm not even married, and I'm going to give birth to a son? How is that, that going to work? And you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. The last become first. And there's God with his, with his leadership style again of picking the one who seems least likely to be the one to do the greatest things. You know, Jesus, Jesus would carry that into his ministry. Jesus said the last will be first and the first will be last. That was right after that, that um, story he told where the landowner, the vineyard owner hired some workers to come and work at six o'clock in the morning, said, I'll pay you X. And then he hired some to come later in the day and said, I'll pay you X, same amount. And some a little later in the day even, I'll pay you X, same amount. And so on and so forth. And when it came time to pay up, the ones who'd been working all day took, took exception to that. Whoa, 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 why, why are we all being treated the same? And Jesus followed that story up with the last will be first and the first will be last. Because in the kingdom, leadership looks very different. And everyone in, in the kingdom, leadership levels the playing field so that everyone has an equal chance. And sometimes that doesn't make sense to us. And that flies in the face of the way many of our leaders today operate. And we look now at the leadership of our country and the leadership of the world, and it's not the least of these. I mean, look at what's, if you look at just what's going on in Russia alone, you have a leader who has, who has gained power by stepping all over other people. And, and, and now is trying to step over an entire, step on and over an entire country. Uh, and yet, and yet there are those who believe that that's okay. And there, and then, and, and you twist the truth and you turn it around and you try to sell your, your story and you hope that people will believe it. And that happens and hopefully not to that degree, but it happens all the time as we have leaders. And here's the biggest difference in the way God leads and the kind of leaders that he raises up over against the kind of leaders often that we are subject to in, in this country. And that is that instead of, instead of being interested in what we need, most of the leaders that I can think of, and it doesn't matter what color of state you would align them with, uh, so many of them from the time they come into leadership, their number one goal is to remain in leadership. And it's not uh, to make sure that we have what we need and everyone is treated fairly and justly. It's not the way it works. But this is why Jesus is because we needed another perspective. We needed perspective. We need another way to understand how leadership works. But that's the way Jesus works. He takes the least and makes them the first. He never gives up. Why Jesus? He turns 
there's no way he turns our, there's no way into this might work. When we look back at all these people that, that started off as the least of these, the ones who seem to be so flawed, the ones who seem least likely to succeed, the ones who would have never appeared in your high school yearbook as the one most likely to succeed, none of these people would have been in the yearbook under that heading. And yet they were. Because Jesus turns our there's no way into this might work. I learned about a, a young man in Louisville, Kentucky this week. His name is Josiah Johnson. Uh, he was born without legs. And so what's a boy with no legs to do whenever he grows up and he wants to be a gymnast and no one will take him seriously and he, he can't do that? Uh, or he wants to play other sports and nobody will take him seriously? What, what's that boy to do? When he's in the eighth grade, play basketball. What else would you do whenever you have no legs and you want to get involved in sports? And so that's what he does. Do we have that picture? There it is. This is Joe. He's an eighth grader at Moore Middle School in Louisville, Kentucky. And he not only plays on the middle school basketball team, he starts. He was born without any legs. And he is able to, to sit at the half-court line, and drain shots. He is a great defensive player. Uh, he likes to say it's because I get leverage on him. I'm low, and people don't see me coming, and he's great at making steals. He, he's, his assist, the number of assists that he have is crazy because he can steal the ball and feed it. He's incredibly strong from the waist up, and he can move with his hands about as fast as any of the other boys can with their legs. His coach said when, he, when we run sprints, he runs sprints. He runs them on his hands, and he keeps up with everybody else. His coach said, his, I promised his mother... He he would not make the team if he couldn't play. She said, don't you put him on the team if he can't play. I've never treated him that way. His mom has always pushed him because she loved him so much. And she said, you know what? You're alive. And no, this is not what anybody would choose, but you're alive and you're going to be strong and I'm going to help you to be strong. And so she just loved him and she just loved him by sometimes being tough and making sure that he did as much as he could of what the other kids did. And so now he plays, and now he starts, and he scores points, and he steals the ball, and he makes assists, and he is a successful basketball player. And he said, and, and I loved his quote, he said, I don't want you doubting me because I don't have legs. I want to show you that I'm just as human as you, and I'm just as good as you are. And the reason he has that attitude, the reason he is where he is today, and that's starting on a middle school basketball team, scoring points, making steals, playing as hard, playing as well as the other kids, the reason he can do that is because his mother never gave up on him. In the most dire circumstances, in a situation where here is a kid with, born with no legs, but his mother wouldn't give up on him, and his mother kept loving him, and his mother loved him into who he is today. And this is what God wants to do with us. This is his leadership style. Why Jesus? When we ask the question, why Jesus? Because he loves our liabilities into possibilities. And God's done that starting in the Garden of Eden all the way through today. 
He loves our liabilities into possibilities. And he can take our weakness. He can take that part of us that we think is a character flaw. And he can say, why don't you give that to me? And let's work on that. And let's see what we might be able to do with it. He will not let us go. We can turn away from him and we can choose to not accept his dogged determination to see us become all that we were called to be. We can choose to to reject that, but it'll break his heart because he, he came for you and me. That's why there was no other reason. There was no other reason for God to leave heaven than you and me and all the others who, were, who had liabilities that God wanted to turn into possibilities. Say it with me. God never gives up. God never gives up. He didn't give up in the garden whenever Adam and Eve bit the apple and went into open rebellion against God. Things didn't turn out the way God had planned, but he didn't give up. And they went on, and they had children, and they started a race. And whenever Moses was on running, for, running from the, the authorities because he was a murderer, God said, you know what? You know, you, know the court, you know the Egyptian court better than anybody, and you're a Hebrew. You should love these people. I'm sending you you, and I'm going to turn your liabilities into possibilities, and we are going to go rescue your people. And right on down the line until he picked a little Jewish peasant girl to impregnate her by the power of the Holy Spirit with God Almighty. That's how much he wanted to come and save you and me. That's how God never gives up. He came to live right in the midst of us and do his work among us. He turned her liability into possibility. He turns our liabilities into possibility. God never gives up. And Jesus is the only one who could come and make that that cosmic reality, a reality here on this earth. And that's why it came for you and me. And we're going to continue to explore that over the weeks and, and learn about these prophecies that help us understand the fullness of who this baby was so that we can understand the fullness of who we can be because God never gives up. Let us pray. Almighty God, we're so thankful that you didn't give up. We give up on ourselves all the time. And sometimes, Lord, life just doesn't make any sense. And sometimes we look at our leaders and, and we don't know what's, we don't understand. We don't, and, and it doesn't make sense. And we want to give up. And we think they've given up on us. But Lord, help us to understand that you never give up. And you're there even in the midst of, of flawed leadership and even in the midst of bad decisions that other people make on our behalf or that we make. God, help us to understand you will never give up on us. We are not going to give up on you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.